Hello, my name is Flick Beckett and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picturehouse podcast proudly sponsored by Kia, the champion of independent cinema nationwide. On today's show, we chat with Susanna Fogel, director of the superb Cat Person, starring a perfectly cast Amelia Jones and Nicholas Braun, with spot-on appearances from screen icon Isabella Rossellini and the wonderful Fred Melamed. You will also hear me gush crazily about what a standout soundtrack this film has, but it really does. Please enjoy today's podcast. Is that that guy Robert again? Listen, concession stand girl, why don't you give me your number? Wait, you never said where he goes to school. I think he just works. Oysters, come on. He has cats. His eyes are nice. They crinkle. Yeah, because he's old. Listen to me. Call it a night. Hey, do we want to do this? This is the worst life decision I've ever made. Welcome to the Picture House podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, I just want to put into context as well for people who may not know you already, but you are a co-writer on the wonderful Booksmart, which was a big hit with Picture House cinema goers as well. Amazing. And, and that might sort of give them an idea of the sort of film that you've created as well. Very smart, fun, intelligent. But can you introduce people who might not be familiar with Cat Person to our listeners? Can you introduce the film for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's based on a, a short story that was in The New Yorker. And lest you think that that means it's sort of a dry literary story, it's not. The reason it went viral in The New Yorker was really that it was like a young woman's experience with a man dating and sex. And I think part of what was startling to people was that it was in the New Yorker, which is not a magazine known for centering stories about 20 year old women, you know, dating and having sex with, with men. It's not really what they usually do. So, so it thrust this narrative in front of a lot of people, male, female, all ages, and everyone had an opinion about it, which then felt like everyone was having an opinion about a young woman's experience, which then caused all this, this fervor in the culture and a lot of debate and, so this is, this is a story about um, a young woman who works at a cinema and the re- a regular in the cinema, this older man takes a liking to her. She thinks he's cute. They embark on a flirtation that leads them down a road that I won't give spoilers about, but it is neither a love story nor a story of assault. It's about a mushy gray area of ambivalence and the hellishness of dating and how badly things can go in a hopefully funny way. Perfectly put. And I mean, the the phenomena of cat person is very connected to the Me Too movement, which started to give women a a new perspective on the narratives that they'd been fed for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's it's been so informative about language and like being able to articulate these problems. You know, Mm -hmm. what can you tell me what it was that you felt cat person was revealing or articulating for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a story about the complexity of these issues and the inability for them to be reduced to a single genre of thing. So to me, I was wanting more nuance in the conversation around sex, desire, like female power. I I didn't, I was, I was seeing narratives of like feminism being associated with women being super empowered and not really having room for stories where they were still kind of wrestling with what whether they did or didn't have power. Like most most movies that came out in that time were sort of, they were making a statement instead of asking a question. And I felt like there were so many questions that 
are kind of unanswerable, but we need to keep asking them and guessing about them. And that, that the nuance of that may make them less, less suited for most movies, but movies need to also be able to dwell in the gray. So that's what I thought it, it really did as a, it set that up as a story. Just the fact that, and, and part of that was like how debated it was. Like it partly did that it's in and of itself, but then when it was so debated, it, it, it shed a light on the fact that people clearly want to endlessly debate this stuff and they want to do the he said, she said, and but she wanted this and he did this. And is it fair that she thought that? And who cares if it's fair? And it was like, all of that is, all of that is in people's minds when they go on dates, all of that confusion, anger, frustration, ego, like it's all part of what we actually carry into interactions. So it's fascinating to make a movie about that stuff and not just the like binary of a love story or a story that's just, there's a hero and a villain, you know? Can't say I'm surprised to find lovely ladies like yourselves in here looking for protection. Kelvin, you need to shut that shit down right now. What is the matter with you? You manipulated me. So he called you a whore. If you want to get along with a man and not be alone your whole entire life, make peace with a little discomfort. I mean, to me, I thought it was quite a sort of cautionary tale, as well as kind of like it has elements of rom-com, elements of horror, and elements of a Western as well, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit like centering a female's story in an, in a way that tries to give it a sense of like cinematic scope and epicness, the way that men's, I think that maybe the, the Western sort of Ennio Morricone like vibe comes in where she's just like one woman, like living to fight another day uh, thing. And that instead of the stakes of like a shootout, it's the stakes of getting through a night with a guy that you don't want to be with and getting it over with and coming out the other side, a survivor stronger. So yeah, it's all of that. It's, it's wanting to make her experience feel like it's deserving of a movie and deserving of a, a movie with scope and style and that those movies don't only belong to men. And, and, and also the idea that she's trying to figure out what movie she's in from day to day. So she's a cinephile, she's seen, she's seen all of the movies. She's a pop culture person in the world. And so she has imagery and ideas about what story she's in she's trying to figure that out as we all do if we're like the stars of our own movie of our life we're like is this the beginning of a beautiful friendship is this the beginning of a is this the beginning of a romance is this the beginning of me getting killed is this is this when i met the guy that's going to kill me what is this and trying to figure out what it is is like her journey and that takes her into different genres along the way you know and she has been compared as a, a, as a heroine to like a Jane Austen heroine, which I thought was a really great comparison because Jane Austen is very much p female POV with great male characters who are quite yeah. inscrutable for quite a long time of, yeah. the, of, the, of the novels. And then, yeah, so I thought that Robert was very much, could either way be a Jane Austen kind of gentleman hero as well. Were you aware of that kind of historic context? I've never heard it compared to that, but but we did want him to be inscrutable. Like that was the thing we talked about. We wanted it to be the, like the story, which is all from her perspective and doesn't have the third act where we get a window into his perspective that the movie does. It's about her guessing and trying to figure out the narrative based on these little clues that he's giving her, but he's not giving her much. And that is the experience of a lot of women trying to date a lot of men. You know, some people are really verbal and and authentic with their communication and comfortable enough to be. But a lot of times there's a, 
there's a more like recessive withdrawn type of guy who has a really enigmatic inner life. And women spend a lot of time guessing about what they want, what they think. They, they think it's their fault if they're not inspiring him to talk. It's like a whole dynamic that is, it leads women to like kind of get really ramped up in their people pleasing that they're conditioned to have because they're like, what do I do? What do I have to do to bring out the inner romantic in this unreadable man, you know? And that's what I thought was so successful about the film where I was watching it going, oh God, if only I'd had this narrative, if only I'd been able to see this like as I was growing up and I was almost like, oh God, women are still feeling like this. And just to be able to articulate the um, nuances you know, like, I just thought that was just genius. And I think that's why it exploded like it did, because like with the Me Too movement, the, the relatability of it yeah, that yeah. it gave women was just like, oh, my God, that's what I've been feeling. But I haven't been able to say. Yeah, I think that 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 was like the best thing to come out of that time was really that it gave us a lot of language to talk about things like it. It gave us a lot of terms like mansplaining, gaslighting, stonewalling, you know, toxic, whatever. And I think the those terms are really helpful because it helps us have a shorthand and know that if there's a word for it, it means other people have felt it. At the same time, I think that like, then we kind of, I think sometimes those words are like used as a bit of a crutch to describe things that are actually much more nuanced. And I'm hoping that this movie feels like, yes, uh, the umbrella terms that can be used are some of those terms, but actually there's, there's so much complexity to it. And I'm hoping that the movie exists in a time when we can like, acknowledge some of that complexity as well as just the fact that it falls under these like buckets of this is about a toxic male and a blah 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 and privilege and you know it's, it's also other things um, definitely I didn't I didn't feel that it was anti-male but then I'm not male looking at it from a male no I didn't I didn't either we didn't want yeah. it to, we really didn't want it to be we want men no. to see it we want we I mean some of the best viewers are men who are like feminist men who are allies who are like in, who read the story and are interested in like women's you know perspectives and they see the movie and like one or two moments in Robert's behavior makes them feel just a twinge of oh did I make that woman feel uncomfortable 10 years ago or oh like I, I I see I see that he's getting a verbal yes from her but then I see on her face that she doesn't mean it and I don't think she's like trying to do it to be a tease I like see the complexity in her emotion like just to give them a little bit of a but to open the aperture a little bit on how they see women or themselves. And, but and like, likewise, the other way around, like it's a clash of fantasies, mm -hmm, isn't totally. it? That just explodes with misunderstanding, really. Totally. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's exactly like, and his own fantasy life is, you know, he's a person who wants to connect. It's not, a, I'm not excusing the, his worst moments at all, but or the way that that metastasizes into like anger and a sense of danger in him because he's, feeling so much rage about about sort of being wrong about his narrative but but also that he's just like a guy trying to connect and he's not doing a good job and then every rejection makes him go inward and get sort of more of a hair trigger to anger and that just like makes him more of a threat so it's just it's kind of just like the system I mean it's he's not like an incel but it's like where that comes from it's like the reference points are also like the way that the way that some of this, these extremes drive people to, like, there's some extreme psychological underpinnings, you know? Yes, and, and you know, cinematically, we, we have to take responsibility for that. Well, I was thinking, like, that bizarre scene where Margot is with her, her mother doing My Heart Belongs to Daddy, yeah. which is just yeah. horrible. It's just horrible. horrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And that's what we've grown up with, this hyper-sexualization of absolutely everything that we are. And then Robert's devotion to Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford and what they've been brought up with. And actually, in reality, when you take things out of the cinema and we've been indoctrinated with it, it's it's awful. Yeah, it's interesting. Like it's it's we exist in it's sort of that that thing about like wanting to ask questions instead of give give answers or or like slaps on the wrist. It's sort of like, well, are we saying that we can't listen to any music that has a problematic lyric because that would like cancel out everything on my Spotify playlist, you know? Um, and it would cancel out like all the classic music. I mean, some of our the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, like they're all singing about young women. They're all singing about, or, you know, in some cases they're singing about a power dynamic. That's not great for the woman. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that, but that is, so we need to hold all the truths at once. Like we need to not try to like censor everything or pretend it doesn't exist because then we drive people into not talking about it, but they're still having these experiences. So if they're not talking, they're acting and are acting out, but also like holding, holding the context for all this stuff and how it shapes us and how it does seep into our psyche you know even just margot working at a theater where fun b-movie slasher movies are like constantly victimizing the woman there's never a woman who like comes out on top in those movies and that she's selling tickets to those movies with a smile on her face and that's her job you know that's always going to be a woman's job is to do some of that and so it's, it's interesting like and with the harrison ford stuff it's it's not it's not like a screed against those movies. It's just no. saying like, we've all seen these movies. Most men love these movies. He's not. He's not like guilty of something illegal or super toxic. But also, like it is setting forth like a standard of how men should be and what's desirable to men and women. And also on women's side, like on the on the woman's side, like women don't always want everything to be so intellectual and procedural and like an encounter like they women watch Bridgerton women also want like women watch Outlander like Outlander is not constantly asking for consent for everything it's kind of like more of a there's there's another narrative around romance that women also want so desire is really complicated in that way and there isn't like any easy answer or way to fix the problem but I think continuing to talk about it with nuance and flexibility is like the only hope we have you know Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. And I just need to talk to you about your incredible soundtrack. I loved it. And Thank I you. think it's the best soundtrack I've heard since Pulp Fiction. I'm oh my putting God, it out I'm there. thrilled. I felt so strongly about the music. I like killed myself to get that music and yeah. for it. I'm so happy that you know this. Oh, it is great. And I just want to flag the moments. Depeche Mode in the sex scene, brilliant. Britney for the walk home and Sophie B. Hawkins in the shop. Yeah. Where they're their yeah. It's like music is so, I mean, it's such a, such a like truism, but it's, it can be so evocative. And I feel like, I mean, what, one thing I've noticed is that movies about women often try to just lean into like feminist singer songwriters in the score because a soundtrack, because 
they're like, this is a capital F feminist movie. And so we need women, women, women everywhere. And I think that like some of the most impactful movies or some of the most impactful directors like David Lynch, Tarantino, like they pick songs that like really evoke an emotion and that's what they're going for. It doesn't matter the genre, but they're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick something aesthetically that does a thing that I can't put into words. And that's the agenda. There isn't like a, there's not like a meta agenda to like who's singing. And that was important to me too, because like there's Lee Hazelwood is like a very deep voiced male, super masculine guy who sings about longing, but also he's very much a man and an adult. And, you know, if you're like a 20 year old girl listening to that, that's like a man singing. And then he's singing about these things that are like, he's got this forlorn, the step kind of like toxic nostalgia. And you're like, he's kind of got this like, doesn't really have a dimensional idea about the woman he's singing about in this song, but it's kind of about him and there's, but anyway, whatever. It's like we, those, those, those stories seep into our subconscious when we listen to music. And I, I wanted all of those feelings to be part of what she's like trying to make sense of in this, in this like quagmire she's in, you know. And I won't give it away at the end, but the Lee Hazelwood track you used there, I just saw the bicycles were like horses and they were owning him and the track and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I sat through all the credits. So I was wanted to hear every bit of the music because I just- Oh, amazing. I'm it thrilled was... you like the music. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It also, I also feel like with, with women's stories, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of like a shorthand that people have that I don't think does justice to the specificity of the stories. If it's like, if they're, I think that sometimes making some more masculine choices is, is necessary not only because it 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 helps to sort of bring like a a cinephile audience in and not just the audience for like women's things but also because i think it just there's a hard edge to it that is like useful in justifying the woman's story as important yeah absolutely and like not softening it too much where it just feels where you're like inadvertently trivializing it or softening it or dismissing it you know yeah yeah so we're going to have to finish up. I just want to um, finish by saying this is a cinematic film that needs to be seen in a theatre <laughs> when you're surrounded by the soundtrack. So can you tell everyone why they have to see this in the cinema? <laughs> I mean, the there you're to get the intended effect of the most uncomfortable sex scene that I, I hope you'll ever see. You need Absolutely. to see it around other people who are covering their um, eyes with their hands. And if for no other reason, but I. I think there's a lot of communal experiences and cringe moments and they are going to be better when you can feel the energy of the room that is communally cringing you're going to feel seen hopefully with other people experiencing that with you that's the real reason to see this in the theater without a doubt Susanna it's been such a pleasure to speak with you today thank you very much for joining us on the Picture House podcast thank you so much Felicity appreciate it <laughs>